Hello and welcome to Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. We are your hosts, Vidas Pinkavichus and Oshamut Zeta Pinkavichin. We've been mastering secrets of organ playing for more than 20 years and sharing them on this blog since 2011. On this show, which we create from our home in Vilnius, Lithuania, we strive to help you grow in every area of organ playing, including practice, technique, repertoire, sight reading, hymn playing, improvisation, composition, music theory, harmony, and many others. Our hope is to help you become a complete musician, or what we call as total organist, a program which we have created to help you reach your dreams faster than you would do on your own. If you are new here, we invite you to subscribe to receive free updates of this blog at organduo.lt. By subscribing, you will also receive free video on how to master any organ composition and 10-day organ playing mini course. And now let's go to the podcast for today. Hello guys, this is Vidas. And Usha. Let's start episode 298 of Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. This question was sent by Anne and she writes, Dear Vidas, could you help me out a little with registration? I'm quite confused about how one should register for many compositions by Bach in particular his trio sonata in E-flat major, BWV 525. I understand that it was not common practice in his time to list out particular stuffs one should pull for each piece, and that it depended rather on the organist himself and the place he was in. But I don't know where to start. If it doesn't trouble you too much, I definitely appreciate your help. So, Osha, how would how could we help uh, Anne for starters? That's a very good question. Actually, a very deep question. And this question actually was discussed a lot, you know, in the past, and I think will be discussed in the future. Mm-hmm. Because. There are so many possibilities and so many ways how people register, you know, Bach's trio sonata. Well, I remember myself uh, as being a student at the Academy of Music in Lithuania. And me and other students, we often registered trio sonatas without 16-foot stop in the pedal. And I think that was the first mistake that we did. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, when thinking about trio sonata, I always think, you know, about Baroque ensembles. Mm-hmm. Like instruments, in- yes. instrumental ensembles. Especially, you know, string ensembles. And usually, you know, for the low- lowest voice, you have a low instrument. Like um, double bass. Yes. Or in Baroque's time, it was called uh, violone. That's right. Or, you know, b- bassoon, too. Mm-hmm. So I think you need to have 16-foot stop in the pedal. Although then it provides sort of a problem because, you know, when you add 16-foot in the pedal, you need to articulate and to be very precise with how you press the pedals down. Because otherwise uh, they might, you know, drag you down. down. 
And then everything that I did and that I wouldn't do now, I used actually gap registration a lot for my hands. Mm-hmm. And gap registration, I mean, let's say adding eight and two foot stop for the right hand without four foot. Mm-hmm. Now I probably wouldn't do that too. Or uh, four and one, but playing one octave lower. Yes, that's right. I think gap registration came into fashion a lot uh, with neo-baroque style uh, after 1960s maybe. But if we compare all treatises and uh, performing traditions from the 18th century, obviously gap registrations were not uh, prominent at all. Uh, One of the nice places to look is this collection of choral preludes by Kaufmann, uh, Harmonische Zellenlust. And every piece there has um, registration, which is quite rare. That's very rare case, you know, Mm -hmm. that we have real compositions with real registration suggestions. So there you can find all kinds of interesting uh, elements uh, doubling the same pitch level stops uh, a lot of uh, flu registrations read registrations too um, you can be quite creative then uh, and to our ears that sounds quite strange yes because I remember you know in my youth playing trio sonata I would never double you know stops I would never use, let's say, two eight-eight foot, foot in one hand. It's completely acceptable, I think, especially in a slow movement. Another good source, you know, to look would be probably the book by Barbara Owen about Baroque registration in general. It's a thick book and it's very thorough, and you no, know, you can find very good mm-hmm. suggestions in it. If you were playing uh, E-flat major sonata today, for example, how would you register the right hand? Well, probably it for and two, but it depends on the organ, truly. You, you, you have so many options there. If the organ is nice and each stop is so characteristic, you can build uh, maybe 10 versions of the same registration. That's true, but you know, let's say for example, you could do like maybe you know, principal eight and then flute four and two. Mm-hmm. Because if you would take all the three principles, that might be too loud. Or you know, if you don't have principal eight, maybe add you know, flute eight and then principal four and flute two. So you need to experiment and, and to find out what, what suits you. Maybe you don't want to have a two-foot. Maybe mm-hmm. it's no too, too high-pitched for you. Maybe f- two-foot uh, pitch is just for the third part. That's right. Maybe, you know, then just use a couple of eight-foot stops and one four-foot. Mm-hmm. And then for the left hand, of course, when if... I wouldn't put probably the two foot for the left hand. I would you know, limit myself to eight and four. I like very much if the organ is nice and those sounds 
can be quite colorful. I like to play with eight and four stops quite often. That could be two flutes, eight and four, in both hands, but different characters. Um, one of them can be principal, either eight foot or four foot. Um, do you think two principles, eight and four, would sound well? Well, it depends on how skilled we are. Mm -hmm. They might be just fine. In a small organ. True, true. And then in the pedal, I would add 16 foot, 8 foot. Would you add a 4 foot too? No. Me too. I think it would be just too much. Mm -hmm. So probably principle is 16 and principle or flute 8. Yes. I think should work. Sometimes suba 16 works. That's well. right. In our St. John's uh, church organ, I can put... Uh, two 16-foot stops, too. That reinforces the bass. I like heavy bass sometimes. I know, I like it, too. And I remember that, you know, Dr. George Ritchie always, you know, the only adjustion he would make to my registration, and he, sometimes he omits some of my pedal stops because I also like, you know, heavy bass. It's because the bass is the foundation of harmony. And um, listeners should hear it quite clearly. True. Um, and, you know, because if we are thinking about larger acoustics, like Josh acoustics, if you would listen to the choir singing, the higher voice it is, the better it sounds, the louder it sounds. And with the low voices, it's very hard you know, to, to project them in a big room with large acoustics. Low voices sound well in uh, when when they sing softly. That's right. Um, what about reeds? Would you re use reeds in trio sonatas? Well, that's also no, a good question for discussions. Nice. Uh, if you imagine trio ensemble playing the sonata, maybe. A oboe would play. Oboe, I think in some cases oboe or crumhorn would probably work mm -hmm. quite well. Probably maybe for the right hand then. What about mutations? Well, I don't know. I probably wouldn't use them. What about you? Maybe in one hand. It could, could uh, sound colorful, you know, like a two and two thirds. But you really need to listen to mm -hmm. what mutation you have because some of them sounds quite unnatural and sort of squeaky. Maybe in one hand you could have eight, four and uh, fifth, two and two third. And in another hand you could have eight, four and a third, like one and three fifths or a high pitched third, uh, fifth. Um, one and uh, one third. You know, both hands would play with mutations of different, of different um, pitch level. That could work. What about strings? But that's my second choice. With strings, uh, I especially like um, them for 
probably a slow movement. Yes, for the middle movement, I think it would work just fine. Because they need slow tempo to to be able to speak. Yes, and then for the so in the middle movement, of course, you would have to use you know strings, mm-hmm. flutes, soft reds, soft stops. And then, of course, for the last movement, I would play it a little bit louder than the first movement. Yes, something similar, but maybe with two foot. That's right. Or even one foot. Sometimes it might work. If the organ is nice, you can have so many colors, right? If it's not nice, then you're limited. Sometimes you could use just one principle, eight in one hand and four in another hand with one octave lower. That's a possibility too, but you need to check the diapason if you know it will fit. Compass. Compass, Mm -hmm. yes. If the left hand uh, part doesn't go below tenor C, then you can play one octave lower. Yes, and it should work. You have to check. Um, and since I think both upper parts are treble parts, I think that should work playing one octave lower. I think, yes, if let me just another. Alright, so that's, I think, enough to end for starters to think about. Sure. Thanks, guys, for sending these questions. Please send us more. We love helping you grow. And remember, when you practice, miracles happen. This blog is supported by Total Organist, the most comprehensive organ training program online, where you will find courses for every area of organ playing, including technique, practice, sight reading, repertoire playing, hymn playing, improvisation, composition, music theory and harmony, with hundreds of scores and thousands of exercises. Here is what some of the students are saying. Hugh writes, the sight reading course has helped me tremendously. Thank you very much for SS courses and all your help. Robert writes, I found the fingerings, registration ideas and general comments to be excellent. John writes, I have found your download very helpful. It was really excellent. I have watched some of your teaching videos and when I read your instructions. I try to imagine you are there teaching me. You may feel disappointed that I am two three days behind, but I am a slow learner, and I have committed to taking the time to get it right as you say. But the other night my wife commented that she had never heard me play such a detailed melody in the left hand so well. My left hand is generally poor. Robert writes, It has been a great pleasure in my life of having discovered your courses and material as well as the YouTube work of recordings. You have a calm and pleasant way of teaching. Ron writes, Hi Vida thank you guys. What a wonderful response to my email note to you. You've got me right, and I feel you understand my level of playing. Yes, at home and lucky that I have an organ for that reason. I am paying attention to this, and I am going to try this haha no longer secret model. Yes, and I love Caesar Frank too. What is very nice about your blog podcast is that Osha and Vidas are like a Socratic dialogue. 
and by bouncing things off of each other, so much more information comes out and is expressed. Your comments contain a wealth of information and understanding. I really appreciate this. It is very inspiring and will keep us moving forward. Would you like to receive the same or even better results that our students are getting? If so, join them at organduo.lt slash total dash organist. And of course, you will get the first month free too. You can cancel anytime. Also, if you haven't yet subscribed to receive free updates of this blog, make sure you do that at organduo.lt. By subscribing, you will also receive free video, how to master any organ composition and 10-day organ playing mini course. This was Vidas and Osha from Secrets of Organ Playing. And remember, when you practice, miracles happen.